Oh, what a show. What a show. What a, a little bit of a sad show today. Um, good golly. Um, David Letterman, as you know, is retiring this week on Wednesday. He will retire. May 20th will be his final show. And uh, one of the pavement pounders very fittingly called in and asked me what I thought about uh, David Letterman, his journey, my journey with David Letterman. And uh, so I'm going to spend the uh, back end of the show kind of revisiting uh, those moments in my life. And uh, and uh, it should should be it should be fun, you know, uh, sentimental to say the least. Probably a bit sad, but uh, also a celebration of a very talented man that probably made all of us smile or laugh at one point in our life. Uh, also on the show, well, I guess you get the good and the bad all the time. But uh, my on-air therapist, Doctor Ascot drops in unexpectedly and puts me through one of his stupid therapy sessions. And this might be one of the most painful therapy sessions I've ever been through. And I'm not talking mentally or psychologically. The thing this idiot makes me do in this one is probably worthy of a lawsuit. So let's get it going. This is the Harland Highway. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce the Harland Highway. I promise you, I will... Please, you all, believe me. What is he like? What's he like, anyway? Oh, he's an angel. He's an angel straight from heaven. You're going to need a bigger post. You're listening to Harlan Williams. Why don't you give me a name and a face and a reason why? Oh, man, what do you expect? The guy's a gigolo, man. <laughs> it's over, Johnny. It's over. Nothing is over! You just don't turn it off! You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. Weird. Just plain weird. You know what I mean? I'm still alive. Well, I'll tell you what I won't give you, you muckers! I won't give you the satisfaction of saying that I'm sorry! Welcome to the Harland Highway. Oh, you get your money's worth, believe me. Hello, 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 hello. Uh, hey, welcome everybody to the Harland Highway. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Buffalo. Uh, I did stand up for the first time ever in Buffalo, New York. Great crowds, great club, just had a blast. Uh, I wanted to thank everyone who came out to catch me in Buffalo just recently. Um... And I posed a question to the crowd out there. I would start the show and ask the crowd. I'd say, does anyone know if Mark Ruffalo lives in Buffalo? And nobody really knew except this one girl named Sally who sold seashells down by the seashore. And, uh, you know, well, no, really, I'm just kidding. Uh, what? Oh, my God. What? Hello, Arland. Oh, God. What are you doing here, Dr. Ascot? Arland. Well, what are you doing here? I didn't invite you in here. Arland. Stop. Are you going to just say my name over and over like you always do? Arland. Stop. Stop it. I'm not going to... Don't do it one more time. Arland. Stop. What do you want? Arland, you know I'm your therapist. Your on-air therapist, Arland. Yes, I know you are. But why are you here? I'm fine. Arland, are you fine? Uh, yes. Arland. <sighs> okay, maybe I'm a little antsy. I thought so, Arland. I could tell when I said your name. No, I always get antsy when you say my name because you say it over and over and you drag it out. Arland. Oh, and why... Can I ask why you're wearing a purple and polka-dotted scarf? Arland. I, for, you know what? I don't even want to know. Arland. Stop it! So I'm a little antsy. I can tell Arland. Listen to you. You're riding up and down like a Norwegian roller coaster. 
I'm riding up and down like a Norwegian roller coaster. Up and down, all of you. Very, very agitated. And you don't think your presence has anything to do with it, Ascot. Holland. So what what do we do about it? Holland, at your age in midlife, your testosterone is all over the map. It's very common for men in your age group. So, meaning? Meaning your sperm cells have a biological clock, Holland. What? That's right. It's not just the human spirit that has a biological clock, Holland. The actual sperm cells inside your testicles have a need to procreate. That's why they exist, Holland. Okay, that sounds a little far-fetched. Is it, Holland? All right, so what do we do about it? Holland, what we need to do is simply eliminate some of your sperm cells in your testicles and that should calm you right down. Wait, how? You want to eliminate the sperm cells in my... Not all of them, Holland, just some. <sighs> okay, well, how do we do this? Holland, what I want to do is slam your testicles in the microwave oven. What? Holland. What you, What did you just say? I need to put your bag in the microwave oven, Holland. You want to put my t testicles in a microwave oven? To kill the extra sperm cells, it will help stop your anxiety, Holland. No way in hell. That's not even ethical. It's not even safe. Are you out of your mind, Ascot? Holland, would you like to be fired? What do you mean, fired? You know I hold a pink slip if you don't go along with my therapy treatments. You've gotta be. Holland, if you'll just step this way towards the cafeteria. No, I'm... Holland. Oh, God. How long is this gonna take? Not very long, Holland. We'll put the microwave on for 30 seconds and fry your nut bag. <sighs> okay. I don't want to be fired. Exactly, Holland. Here we go. Just step into the cafeteria here, Holland. Okay. Stop. Why? What color shoes are those? They're lemon meringue loafers, Holland. Lemon meringue loafers. Holland. Where, I, I don't want to know where you hang out at night, Ascot. Holland, I can be found having after-hour drinks at the olive oil garlic bread. I don't even want to know. But I just told you, Holland. Can we get this over with? Yes, Holland. Let me set the microwave for 30 seconds. Oh, God. Does it take that long? Holland. Good Lord. Holland, if you'll just get down to your briefs and rest your testicles inside this microwave. Oh God, you have to watch. Holland, I'm your doctor. I've seen many testicles before. Yeah, I bet you have, Holland. Okay, I'm putting them in the microwave. Now I'm going to close the door, Holland. It might pinch a little bit. Okay, do it slowly. Ow, 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 ow. Are you all right, Holland? I guess so. Ow! Did you have to slam it hard at the end like that? Holland, let me just set the timer. Are you all ready, Holland, to have your testicles microwaved? I can't believe that sentence even exists. Holland. Yes, let's get it over with. Here we go, Holland. Three, two, one. Okay. Um, so far, so good. It's... Getting, getting a little warm. Getting a little, ow, okay, it's starting to burn just a little bit. Ah, ah, okay. You're almost done, Holland, hang on. Okay, oh, ah, it's a little, oh, okay, okay, it's, it's starting to heat up. It's starting to heat up, ow, 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 ow. Three more seconds, Holland. Ow, oh, 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 oh. Excellent, Holland, excellent. Open the door. Please open the door. There you go, Holland. Oh, my God. They're steaming. 
Oh, and they've been in the microwave. My God, they're steaming and they're red as all Santa Claus's. Holland. This can't be right. You're absolutely correct, Holland. What do you mean? Well, your testicles are fire red engine pink, Holland. Yeah? Well, that means I didn't leave them in long enough, Holland. I'm going to have to give them another 25 seconds. Oh, my God. What color do they need to be? Pitch black, Holland. You want me to have pitch black testicles? You will have black balls at the end of this therapy session, Holland. Oh, my God. Now put them back in the microwave, Holland. Oh, my God. They they, they, they hurt. They hurt. Holland, put them in. Okay, okay, okay. Now, Holland, since it's getting close to lunchtime. Yes? Would you be all right if I put my lasagna in there with your nuts? Excuse me? Well, I'm going to eat lunch after our therapy session, and I'd like to heat up this lasagna while your nuts are cooking. Are you kidding me? No, don't put that in that. What are you doing? No, 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 no. Ah. Oh, oh, oh. Hang on, Holland, just a little longer. Ah. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, it stings, it burns, it stings, it burns. Oh, Hang on, Holland. Ah. Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Excellent, Holland. Excellent. Oh, my God. What's the matter, Holland? My. Testicles are completely black. Holland. What's that red stuff? It looks like I've got tomato paste on your black balls, Holland. Oh, it burns. Holland, if you don't mind, I'm going to go eat my lunch now. Wait a minute. Don't you have to, oh, to check my... No, Holland, you're on your own. i got to get some water. Oh, I'm going to go get some water. Oh. This lasagna tastes delicious, Holland. Would you like some? No, I don't want your lasagna. God, I gotta go. Holland. I gotta go. Bye. Oh, I can barely walk. Ow. Ow, it burns. Ow. Oh. Ow. Oh, my goodness. This really is delicious lasagna. Oh, my, oh my goodness. There's some hairs in here. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Harland. Um, I had a question. I wondered if you had been on the Letterman show. I, I've watched him on and off for years, and um, I, I think vaguely I might remember you having sat there. Um, I know you've got a relationship with Conan, and, and I've done that uh, more more often. But um, since Dave is winding down in probably the next two weeks, I think he's done for good. I would love to hear if you've had um, appearances and what that experiences, experience was like for you. Uh, so just a thought in the upcoming podcast. If you uh, if you did do the big show at the Sullivan Theater, I think all your listeners would probably like to hear, you know, um, how it went, what you thought of it, and um, you might want to... Uh, expound upon it, just uh, talking a little bit about uh, Mr. Dave Letterman. Anyway, um, just a thought. Hope you're good. Really love your uh, show. Cracks me up every uh, every time I listen. Have a good day. Bye. Well, there's a an excellent question, and uh, yeah, this is the week. This is the week that Dave hangs it up. In fact, on uh, Wednesday... Uh, this Wednesday, two days from now, the 20th of May, David Letterman, a guy that I've been watching since I was a kid in college, uh, stops doing his show. And uh, it's, a, it's a great time. Your question is uh, great timing. Um, I just finished writing a letter to Dave. I'll get into that later on. But yes, I, I was on the Letterman show. I think it was six times maybe seven I can't remember I know one time I was asked and I, I I turned it down I didn't go um but uh yeah man I had a I had an amazing time with David Letterman uh let him get, let me give you a bit of the backstory you know when I got into stand-up comedy 
Letterman was the guy. I mean, Johnny Carson was the guy, but then when I got into college, Letterman was was on TV, and um, we would watch him late night, and he was the guy. And then when he moved into uh, prime time, not prime time, but when he moved into the earlier time slot on CBS, it's like he his was the show to be on. All the all the uh, comedians, all the stand-ups wanted to be on the Dave Letterman show. Uh, it used to be the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, but when Johnny left, they put Jay in, and uh, even though I did the Tonight Show with Jay more than I did with Dave, I must have done the Tonight Show 20 times, I think, or more. Um, you know, Jay, Jay was a real great guy to me. Jay, Jay, you know, had me on the show and was amazing, but... If I'm being honest, in in the in the uh, comedy circuit, in the circle of stand-up comedians, Dave was the guy that everyone worshipped. I think Dave, everyone, all the stand-ups felt that Dave was edgier and and more original and and just you know he kind of set the bar, whereas Jay was uh, more kind of the mainstream kind of everyman's guy. Letterman. Letterman was just the he was he was the man. I can't describe it, but every comic's dream was to be on the Letterman show, including mine. And when I st- when I started in comedy, that was my goal. I was like, I want to get on the David Letterman show and once I do that, anything that happens after that is just gravy. That's the way I felt because I thought that the Letterman show was the pinnacle. That was my target. And I thought if I get into movies or TV or anything else, it'll just be gravy, you know? I mean, secretly, I hope to do all that other stuff, but I, I always thought if I could do Letterman and then I died, I will have accomplished my, my goal. And so to go back and do Letterman uh, a number of times, uh, five or six times, maybe seven, I can't remember them all, it was just an honor. It was, it was a mind-blower. Um, and so the very first time I did Letterman, uh, it was, it was incredible. I was, uh, I was put on a showcase in Hollywood. I'll give you a bit of the uh, road to my Letterman appearance. I was put on a showcase at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. And back in those days, there wasn't a lot of outlets for stand-up comedians. There was, there was three, uh, TV stations, big TV stations and, it was The Tonight Show and Letterman, and that was it. And if you got on one of those, it meant a lot back then. Nowadays, sadly, it means almost jack because there's so much uh, content, uh, you know, in, in television now and on and online. It almost it, it doesn't even get a blip on the radar now to do those shows, which is sad. They're still fun to do, but they they don't stand for much. I mean, they're personal accomplishments, but they don't. They don't pop, uh, you know, in the entertainment world the way they used to. And I was fortunate to be uh, in a time when it when it really mattered, not just to me personally, but it mattered in the industry to be on those types of shows. So uh, I was asked to do a, a late-night uh, audition showcase at the Laugh Factory in uh, Hollywood, California on the Sunset Strip. And it was packed, man. I mean, it was packed. I was kind of the new guy in town. No one really knew me. And uh, I had to go up last because I was kind of the low guy in the pecking order, right? And so they put on a showcase, and letter the Letterman producers were there. The club was packed to the gills. The Letterman and his producers and the whole team were sitting in this special reserved booth. And uh, I had to follow Chris Rock. I had to follow uh, uh, Larry Miller. I had to follow uh, Damon Waynes. I mean, it was just the, the, the lineup of guys, the A-list guys that were, were on this showcase. It was, it was beyond intimidating. Because remember, I was kind of new in town. I'd come, come down from Toronto and uh, it was it was wild. So so I was on after I think there must have been twelve or fifteen of us, and and it was all the top, the best of the best. And I I, I was just kind of like, wow, how how am I gonna do this? 
And as I watched, I noticed that a lot of the guys, even Chris Rock and people like that, were a little nervous. They were a little, they were a little uptight because they were, you know, everyone wanted to be on Letterman. And I watched and I watched and I went, nah, these guys aren't as loose as I can. T-. You know, when you're a comic, you can you can see stuff, you you know. And I could just tell a lot of these guys were amped up and edgy and they wanted it so bad. And I thought, man, I'm the last guy. Nobody knows me. I'm just going to go up and be as loose as can be. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to do my stuff. And so I go up at the very end and, you know, you'd think the crowd would be worn out after all the people they saw. But I have to say, I'm being honest, none of them really did all that great. None of them killed it. You know, they did okay, but nobody blew the doors off. And so I was just like, what have I got to lose? So I go up there and I'm just loose and I'm ripping through my material. And I I got them right out of the gate with my first joke. And I got to say that the, the, I, I don't like to say this because it sounds pompous, but I really did rip it. I really ripped it, man. I, I can still remember it because it was such an important night and, and the crowd just stepped up to the plate for me and I had a smasher set, a killer, killer set. And I could feel it while it was happening and the energy coming from me and the energy coming from the crowd was just like, boom. So I closed it out huge and they said, boom, Harlan, you got it. We want you on Letterman. And I was like, I was so happy. I was so proud because... You know, when you do stand-up, you're alone up there. All you've got is you and the material you wrote and your 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 attitude and your energy. And it's, it's, there's no one there to give you a helping hand. It's all you, man. It's all you on your own. You know, you can't have a manager or an agent go, come on, put him on. He's really funny. It, it's like, no, these guys, they take you off of what they see. And that night, Thank you, God. I'm looking up to the heavens right now. All the all the uh, stars came into alignment, and I just crushed it, and I got the call. I got the call to uh, go do Letterman. So off I go uh, a few months later, and, um, you know, I, 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 I've probably told this story to other people before. I don't know if I've told it on my show, but, um, you know, I always... I always wanted to do be silly. I wanted to feel silly. I, I wanted to feel funny. I felt in order to be successful on the on the Late Show with David Letterman, I had to be in a frame of mind that made me feel silly. Because when I feel silly, I feel funny. And I thought if I just walk out there cold and you know they they like you to dress up there, and I don't normally like to dress up, so I had to go out and buy a blazer. We had to go out that night in New York and and and. You know, we couldn't find a blazer, and my manager bought me an $800 blazer. God bless him. Uh, at the time, my manager was Jamie Masada, who ran ran the uh, Laugh Factory, and he bought me that blazer, and I, I was just overwhelmed with his generosity and, and his kindness. And so I had this beautiful, like, green blazer, and I thought, in order to feel silly, I need to do something silly to offset all the nervousness and blah, blah, blah. So I decided I was going to put peanut butter on the top of my boots. That's right, real peanut butter. And it is something I said to my college mates 10 years earlier back in college. I had had a premonition that I was going to be on the Letterman show. And I told them, I said, guys, I'm going to be on Letterman one day, and when I am, I'm going to put peanut butter on my boots. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know. I just have a feeling I'm going to be on the David Letterman show. And they kind of blew it off, but I always kept uh, that promise to myself. And I don't know why. I just had a gut feeling. This was while I was still in college before I had even stood on a stand-up comedy stage. I didn't even know I was going to be a stand-up comic. I I just had this premonition. And it was an instinct. And so here I was 10 years later. And I'm up in the green room. We're getting ready to go, and the producers come up to get me, and we all go down in the elevator. And um, and uh, we all step out, and uh, just before we go around the corner to the to the wings where you can see Dave, I said, I got to go back in the elevator for a minute. And the producers looked at me. They're like, what, what the hell is he talking about? 
So I ran back in the elevator. I pulled a jar of peanut butter. It was Peter Pan peanut butter. I pulled it out from under my jacket. I had a butter knife hidden in my sock. And I'm not kidding you. I coated the, the, the tops of my motorcycle boots with a thick layer of peanut butter on each one. And I left, I left the jar of peanut butter and the knife sitting in the elevator because I didn't want anyone to see it. Okay, so I come running out, and now they're, they're come on, Harlan, and and I could see they were worried. I think they they thought I was doing cocaine or something. The producer had she was kind of looking in my eyes, and what what were you doing in the elevator? And I said, oh, nothing. I just I said a little prayer, you know. And you, you could tell she was very suspicious. She she thought I went in because I was in there just long enough to to do a toot, right? And I don't do that stuff, but I, I know that's what they thought. I could tell. And they're like, are you okay? What what'd you do? And I said, nothing. I'm I'm good to go. So then we go around the corner, and I'm in the wings, and I'm standing at the curtains, and I have a straight vision out to, out to Dave, and I can see him sitting at his desk, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is the guy I've watched on TV my whole, you know, since college. This is the guy we stayed up every night to watch. This is the guy that we worshipped. This is the guy that I, I vowed I was going to be on his show, and there he was, man. I could, I could see him sitting at the desk. And uh, let me back up a little bit. Before I, I did that, um, earlier in the, uh, in, in the uh, day when I was there at the green room, Paul Schaefer came up to me, who's the musical director. You all know Paul Schaefer, and that was just awe-inspiring enough to be talking to Paul Schaefer, and he asked me, what song do you want me to play when you come out? And I said, oh, man, play uh, Sweet Leaf from, from Black Sabbath. And he's like, you got it, man. And I was like, really? You'll play Black Sabbath? He's like, yeah. So it's like, you know, sweet. So I was like, oh, my God, because that's that was one of my favorite songs growing up as a teenager. Oh man, all these memories are coming back, and uh, and so um, and so off I go, and uh, and then uh, you know we keep going, and Dave announces my name. He goes, "Please welcome Harlan Williams," and nobody knew I had the peanut butter on my boots. And uh, I walk out on that stage, and it it was the the theater's just as cool as they say. And when I say cool, I mean temperature wise, it was cool. He keeps it very chilly in there, which is good because it prevents guys like me from sweating when we're when we're just nervous and doing stand-up. And it's also cool because it's the Ed Sullivan Theater where the Elvis played and the Beatles and everyone, every famous person in America or anywhere played on the Ed Sullivan show. So it was, it was very dramatic to be there. And I walked out, and uh, I was just... I wasn't really that nervous. For some reason, I just I I talked myself into just enjoy it, and I had the peanut butter on my shoes, so I was feeling silly. I was I was in my zone, I was in my silly zone, and that means I was in my funny zone. And I started into my material, and uh, and uh, you know it was interesting because they kind of help you pick the order for your jokes. You're not allowed to just walk out and do your jokes. They kind of, the, there's a comedy uh, person there who kind of works through your material and says, okay, why don't you do this one here, blah, blah. And it kind of throws you off your rhythm a little bit. Because if I was doing it at a club, I wouldn't do the jokes in that order, but they kind of have the final say. So I was, I was a little bit, uh, you know, out of my element, not doing the jokes in the order. So I was a little uh, trepidatious about my first joke because I usually didn't open with the joke they wanted me to open with. But I opened with it and boom, they went nuts. And I was like, all right, here we go. And so I just did one joke after the other, after the other. And each one was just like, boom, 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 boom. And once again, I, not to be cocky, just telling you how it went, I had a killer set. I had a killer, killer set, and uh, just I it couldn't have been better. And I still I can still feel the euphoria. I can still feel the uh, the excitement. I can still feel the magic when I when I think about it. It's never left me. I'll tell you that. I mean, because this was this was a dream of a young boy realized. So so let me share with you that moment 
when it all went down, okay? this I'm, I, I've got a recording here of me, my very first time on David Letterman, and this is the first time he ever says my name. It, 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 he probably didn't even know I existed before this. I don't know. And uh, here's me, this, this, this Canadian kid from the suburbs, and walking out onto the David Letterman show. Dave's, Dave's like, here he is, Harlan Williams. And then if you listen, you'll hear uh, the music. You'll hear uh, Paul Schaefer playing Sweet Leaf. And then I do my first joke. As I said, it was a little bit quiet at the beginning. But then, you know, one of the things comedians listen for and other comedians look for when a guy does a set, they call them applause breaks. Like a lot of comedians will do a joke and get a laugh and then move on to the next joke. But one thing that really tells you you're doing well is if you if you do a joke, get a laugh, and then you get an applause break. Most comedians, when they do a, a late uh, night talk show, and this is a little behind the curtain stuff, most comedians will go home, watch themselves at night, and count the number of applause breaks they got. They're like, oh my God, I got four applause breaks. Oh my God. And a lot of time, those don't happen till deep into the set. And my God, I got an applause break on my very first joke. And that's when I, you know, I said I knew it was going to go good. I knew I was, it was, it was just a great way to start. So here it is, David Letterman saying my name, introducing me for the first time, Paul Schaefer playing Sweet Leaf, and then my very first joke on the David Letterman show. This is the first appearance of our next guest on our program. The man is a very funny comedian who uh, soon will be seen in the brand new Jim Carrey film entitled Dumb and Dumber. How soon, Bob? Any idea how soon? Not, we're not sure. But just go down to your local theater and get in line. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Harland Williams. Harland! It's uh, it's great to be here in New York City. What a great city! But I gotta ask you something, folks. What in the name of Hans Christian Andersen is going on with all the guns here? Guns, guns! Everybody's got a gun. Please, folks, if you don't have a gun, for God's sakes, go out and get one, huh? Because <laughs> you never know when you're gonna be downtown some night all by yourself. It's cold. It's dark. And all of a sudden, you're going to need some money. <laughs> so there it was. What a thrill. What an unbelievable thrill. And, uh, and the fact that the live audience stepped up and, and greeted me with such uh, affection and so much laughter. And I had this killer set. And about halfway through my set... Um, the producer of the show is standing, uh, right at my feet. Okay. He's, he's at the front of the stage, probably, I don't know, probably about eight feet, nine feet away from me, but he's literally like his neck and head are, are kind of at the base of the stage where I am. The rest of his body goes down, uh, because the stage is elevated. So I could just see like his neck, head, and shoulders peering over. He's he's looking up at me, watching me. I looked down, I glanced at him, and it just so happened when I was looking at him, I saw him looking at me, and then for some reason he glanced down at my feet. And his eyes just went wide. He was like, What the I could see him and he he it took him a minute and then he realized I had peanut butter on my shoes. And he started cracking up. And then that made me even give me more amazing energy. So then I just kind of went up to another level. And um, and he must have told someone in his headphones because out of my peripheral vision, I saw someone run over to uh, Dave at his desk. Um, actually, you know what? That No, that was later on. Okay, I'm getting mixed up. That That happened when I finished my set. I'll get into that. Um, so I finished my set, the crowd loved it. I was on cloud nine and I thought that was it. Okay. I had a, I had a killer set. 
I thought that was it. Uh, you know, I waved goodbye. Dave came over and shook my hand and, uh, it, it was incredible. And, uh, and then, uh, somewhere in that mix, it's coming back to me. Someone ran up to Dave and I remember hearing one of the stage people go, Dave, he's got peanut butter on his shoes. I remember them saying it, and I see I saw Dave looking over, and he started howling. He started laughing, and uh, and then I got called over to the couch, which was a big thing back in those days. Um, it was one thing to do your stand-up, but if you got called to the couch by Johnny Carson back in the day or David Letterman, it was kind of their stamp of approval. It was their way of saying, "Hey, we think I think you're really funny." So Dave called me over to the couch, and uh, and I got to sit down and talk with him. And uh, he said, Harland, I see you've got uh, some peanut butter on your shoes there. And he started laughing. And so I told him the story about when I was in college and how I had vowed to uh, be on his show. And if I ever was, I'd put peanut butter on my shoes. And so it was amazing. It, it, was, uh, it was just an incredible, incredible night. It could have gone better. In in fact, let let me play the uh, the moment that Dave uh, you know sat me down and talked to me, and we had, we had a little chat uh, over at the couch. And uh, man, I was just I was just in heaven. It was it was really weird because I remember I was I was you know I couldn't believe I was that close to David Letterman, and I was I was looking at his face, and I was. I was looking at the lines and the wrinkles and the and the structure of his face because it was, it was almost like being at a Hollywood wax museum and you're like, look at this 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 entity, this this form, this this person. And uh, I was looking at his eyes. He has very blue blue eyes, and uh, you know I could see the makeup on his face, and uh, you know I could see the collar of his shirt pinching his neck and I, I I was just taking in the, the essence of the man because you know I'd, I'd kind of idolized the guy for so long so here's me uh sitting down and uh trying to you know keep my cool not not look like a goober and uh chatting with Dave yeah. Alan Williams that was very funny I, I'm, I'm very pleased to meet you. It was very entertaining. And I, I want to ask you a personal question, if you don't mind. You sure. don't have to answer this, sure. but it looks to me like you have some sort of foreign substance on your shoes there. <laughs> well, Dave, that's smoothie peanut butter. And, and why, why is that exactly? Well, I made a vow when I was a youngster that if I ever got on your program, I would uh, coat the top of my boots with smoothie peanut butter. <laughs> Man of your word. I, ad- I admire that. Nice to meet you, Harlan. Thank you, Thank you very much for being here. So there it is. And I had such a good time. And uh, I just love Dave. I mean, I he, he was my kind of comedy TV late night god, as he was to most people, uh, you know, back in those days. And, uh, and so I went on to do the show uh, many more times. Uh, I, I went back and did stand-up. Uh, quite a few times. I think I did it three or four times. And then I think I appeared two or three times uh, just going on and not doing stand-up and just sitting down and promoting movies. I remember I I went on to promote Rocket Man. I went on to promote uh, the movie Superstar. And there might have been one other um, that I'm not remembering right now. Maybe something about Mary. I'm not sure. But... um, but I remember one time I went out uh, on the show and I had a friend who had gone to uh, Holland and I asked them to pick me up a pair of wooden clogs from Holland. <laughs> and, and I wore a really nice suit um, and the wooden clogs. And I just kind of sat out there and crossed my legs and didn't say anything about them. And Dave started asking me about my wooden clogs. And then another time I was on the show, I think it was the first time Dave swore on the show. He said the word shit because I guess he had heard from from the uh, you know the FAA or whatever it is that whoever is in charge of the practices and standards for television uh, he had heard that they were allowing the word shit to be said on TV finally 
So Dave started saying it during his monologue. And so when I walked out to do my, my panel, when I went to sit down with him and talk, I thought, well, I guess I'll say it too. Um, I thought I'll be the first, uh, first guest ever to have kind of legally said shit on television. And by, uh, just by fate that night as a, as a goof, I always tried to do something silly. I took a purse out with me. You know, I was totally dressed as a dude, but when I walked out, I just took a purse. I bought a little hand purse and I filled it up with stuff. And when I sat down, I just plopped it on Dave's desk and I didn't say anything about it. And of course, eventually he asked me about the purse and I said, oh, well, this is where I keep all my shit. And he's, everyone laughed. He started laughing and he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, just stuff you keep in a purse. I have my birth control pills in there. I have my tampons. I have some poetry. And then I pulled a poem out and read it. And, uh. Just uh, it was all it was all fun, man. It was all so fun, um, and uh, half the fun was bumping into the other guests that were on. I mean, one time I was on with John Travolta, one time I was on with uh, Shaq. Shaq came into my dressing room and let me hold one of his shoes. He gave me his giant shoe to hold. Um, yeah, so it was just an incredible journey, and uh, you know I could tell you much, much more about it, but I'm probably getting long-winded. But it is good to go down memory lane on this during this special time when Dave's down to his last few days, and it makes me sad. And I mentioned earlier that I, I just finished writing a letter, so it's interesting that you called. Uh, I actually wrote a long letter to Dave and sent it off to him saying thank you. I wanted him to know how much of an impact he had on my life, how much of an impact he had on my career, how how amazing and magical it was to be on the show with him and, and help me realize my dream. Because let's face it, man, a lot of us, we dream in life and we don't always get there. And I still have some unfulfilled dreams, and I'm sure all of us do. But there's small dreams and there's big dreams, and this this was a monumental dream. I mean, this with the odds of a of a young boy coming out of the suburbs of Toronto and maneuvering his way through the giant maze of Hollywood and stand-up comedians and you know this and that, and to be able to audition and slam it over the wall, and you know it was just it was it was uh, it was just unbelievable. And uh, like I said, I still feel it to this day. So I, I, I wrote a letter to Dave to thank him, make sure I let him know just how grateful and thankful uh, I, I am and was and is. And I also did the same thing with Jay Leno when he left. I, I, I delivered a, a letter to Jay to let him know how amazing it was to be with him and, and how thankful I was that he took me under his wing and... and and thought it was funny enough to be on his show like 20 times with him. Uh, just amazing. But uh, as I said, uh, as, as many times as I've been on uh, Kimmel and been on Conan and Craig Ferguson and uh, Bill Maher and all these shows, Dave, Dave was number one. No disrespect to the other guys, but Dave was always the number one guy. And um, it's just the way it is. I'm just being honest. And so sent him a letter, and uh, he's going to be missed. It makes me sad inside because, you know, it, it, it reminds me that, you know, Dave's older, I'm older. Makes you think of all the time that's gone by. It makes you think of all the shows and all the people you've made laugh. And it also makes you realize, man, you know, getting older you know, how much longer will we be around? You know, I mean, I'm not as old as Dave, obviously, but still, you know, you, well, all of us creep up there. And uh, and so, yeah, it's uh, it's a little sad to see, see David Letterman uh, pack it in. But, uh, you know, I think it's time. He, he is getting older, and I don't know if he's on his game as much as he used to be, but... That's just probably natural, you know, as you get older. Same with Johnny Carson. When he got older, he, you're not as sharp. You're not as energized. And uh, and so we look at all the great contributions and all the laughter that, that these people give us, and especially Dave, 
And uh, all I can do is say thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, you will be missed. Thank you uh, for everything you, you've done for everyone. And thank you for what you did for me, uh, most certainly. And I uh, love you, Dave. And uh, wishing you all the best. So there you go, man. That, that's that's kind of a brief, a brief kind of... Uh, you know, look into my journey into the Letterman world. There's, there's more stories. There's more, more things that happen, but I, it would take me, you know, another hour to probably go through them. So I just wanted to give you uh, kind of the broad strokes of my journey and my connection to, uh, to David Letterman and his uh, show. So thank you for asking, um, to all you diehard Letterman fans, it's probably a sad, Sad time, but uh, we give thanks that Dave was uh, out there, part of our lives, part of the tapestry of the world, and uh, again, all the laughter and uh, all the ingenuity that he, he brought to all of us. So there you go. I'll leave it there, a little bit somber, a little bit reflective, but uh, you know, you guys uh, called and uh, asked the question, and, and there it is. It's a big part of my life. And I uh, hope uh, that was insightful for you. Thanks a lot, folks. God bless you. I enjoyed that. Harlan Williams, kids. We'll be right back. Thank you very much. Um, now, uh... I think I should probably get back in the bathtub and uh, soak my testicles. Oh, my God. They're still black. I just looked down at them. They're still black. Wow. Um, unbelievable, Dr. Ascot. So let's hang it up there. And uh, speaking of stand-up comedy, God, now you got me thinking I'm going to be sad the day that Conan leaves. I, uh, ha I've been on Conan, man, like 50 times, I think. I guess the next one I got to I haven't been on Jimmy Fallon yet. I got to I got to call Jimmy up and uh get on uh, his show. I, I don't get to New York much, but I have to f figure out a way to get on and hang out with Jimmy Fallon. Um which would be a ton of fun too. Um but speaking of stand-up comedy, let's uh give you some dates. This weekend I'll be in San Diego, gang, at the American Comedy Co. From uh, Thursday the 21st to uh, Sunday the 24th. So please come down and visit. And uh, get your tickets at harlowwilliams.com. And then going into June, I will be in Ontario. Not Ontario, Canada. Ontario, California. Just outside of L.A. at the Improv. That's June 11th to June 14th. Uh, great, great club. Brand new... Uh, not brand new, but a fairly new club, and uh, it, it's a blast. The last time we sold that place out, so make sure you get your tickets. Uh, the following week, June 18th to the 21st, I'll be in Houston, Houston, Texas. I love that town. That's where we shot Rocket Man. Oh, yes, I love Houston, Texas. Uh, that's the Improv, June 18th to the 21st. Get your tickets in advance at harlandwilliams.com. And then in July, I'll be at New York's Levity Live. Maybe I should try and get on uh, Jimmy Fallon while I'm up there in New York. That's a good idea. Let me get the wheels turning on that. Hello. Um, and uh, that's it, man. That's all we've got for now. Uh, while you're at harlandwilliams.com, check out the uh, store. We've got incredible, fun gifts for you there. Um, you can just order them with your credit card and we ship them on out to you. Also, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you want to see my wacky videos that I make in my spare time, there's subscription buttons at the bottom of the homepage. And if you want to, uh, call me with any questions like our caller did today, you got, he got a, hopefully got a, an earful with the Letterman question. You can call me at 323-739-4330. That's 323-739-4330. The number's on the webpage, too, harlanwilliams.com. Um, also, uh, my Twitter account is at harlanwilliams. If you want to get on my Twitter feed, I'm always posting fun, silly little posts. 
and I just joined uh, Periscope, where you can catch me doing a uh, little live, uh, little live video things randomly here and there. You never know when I'm going to pop up on Periscope. Uh, I did one last night where I uh, I got a can of V8 juice and I poured it into a glass and I had heard a rumor that things dissolve if you put them in V8 juice. So I was, I was dropping coins into the V8 juice. I was putting shotgun shells. I put a little um, a rubber toy made out of bacon. I put a pair of sunglasses in the V8 juice. I mean, you know, the other night I, I drew a self-portrait with my bad hand. I'm a right-handy. I, I, I drew a self-portrait of myself with, a, with my left hand, and I ended up looking like Eddie Munster. And these are like quick little live video things, and you can type in and make comments while I'm doing it. It's an incredible app. It's called Periscope. And look for my name. Join uh, Harland Williams, and you might catch some of my... You get a little notification. If I go on the air randomly, your, uh, your cell phone will go... <whistles> And you'll know that Harlan Williams is doing something silly, borderline retarded, on his cell phone. So join my uh, Periscope account, and uh, and there it is, man. Uh, once again, last time, uh, bon voyage to David Letterman, and uh, God bless, and uh, God bless all you guys. Thank you so much, and until next time, chicken. Chow mein, baby. Uh, earlier today, the man who owns this network, Leslie Moonves, he and I have had a relationship for years and years and years. And we've had this conversation in the past, and we agreed that we would work together uh, on this circumstance and the timing of this circumstance. And I phoned him just before the program, and I said, Leslie, it's been great. You've been great. The network has been great. But I'm retiring. This is really Yep. This is true. This is. You actually did this? Yes, I did. Wow. Well, do I have a do I have a minute to call my accountant? Because <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> so, so it's. Uh, I just want to uh, reiterate my thanks and, and for the support from the network, all of the people who have worked here, all of the people uh, in the theater, all the people on the staff, everybody at home. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, what this means now is that uh, Paul and I can be married. <laughs> so, so we... <laughs> We, do, we don't have the uh, the timing of this precisely down. It will be, I'm, I think, at least a year or so, but sometime in the not-too-distant too future, 2015, for the love of God. In fact, uh, Paul and I will be wrapping things up and uh, taking a hike. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for the Thanks for the Thank you very much.